Hello, and welcome to episode number 137 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Brad Allen, where we run down all of the games in the NFL. Guys, we are already at NFL week 10. We were just a couple of months ago wondering whether we were going to have NFL season at all and whether we were going to get NFL games. And Brett, we're looking up and we are over halfway home right now. NFL week 10. Where did the weeks go? I don't know, but I'm feeling good about them being able to cram a a full season in here. I'm more optimistic than I was a few weeks ago. Brad, it seems like come hell or high water, games are just going to get played. Like they are, we saw a pretty big outbreak a couple of different times last week. And, you know, some of the guys were able to be cleared and whatnot, but it, it seems like COVID has been canceled in the NFL. It seems basically like we're playing games. Like there is, you are not getting a break like we did earlier in the season. That caused such a ripple effect when they had to postpone games and do all that rescheduling and all that stuff. It seems as if now, as long as you can field a team, you are going to be playing this season. Yeah, and it's a shame. I like uh, I like Tuesday night football, and um, I know you know some some Saturday night football. So uh, I, I wouldn't mind the odd one going forward to to keep us entertained. But yeah, it looks like you know they're going to cram it in, and uh, you know that's a good thing, I suppose. Yeah, probably. So guys, we're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. So go in, subscribe, rate, and review. Really do appreciate that. You can follow Brett at Brett Colson. You can follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL. You can follow me at Matt Brown M2. And of course we have a YouTube channel. You should go subscribe to as well. That's backslash play picks. Um, one interesting stat guys, before we get into the games this week, Ed Fang put out a thing that said um, scoring surged again in week nine of the NFL league average 52.9 points per game. It brings the season average to 50.7 points per game. Um, so we are averaging over. We have hit the over 50 mark for an average score in an NFL game so far through nine weeks of the season and also kind of backs up what we have been saying here on this podcast when it comes to home field advantage through nine weeks 133 games guys home teams have scored one more point than road teams this season so home field advantage does not exist. There is no such thing as home field advantage, but um, a very couple of interesting stats there as we continue to uh, go through here that 50.7 points through nine weeks is what we're, what we're looking at. So that's five more points than last year per game. That is unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Um, You know, look, Fewer flags on holding and more flags on pass interference. It's uh, it's a pretty easy, pretty easy formula. Whenever you're looking as far as where is the scoring coming from. A quick recap from Thursday night, just because these are two good teams that are going to be in the mix and two teams that are going for it in their division. We saw the Colts easily handle the Titans, and you wouldn't have thought that if you were watching the first half of that game. But Brett, they hold the Titans scoreless in the second half. And the Colts end up winning by 17. Could have been more. They got stopped on the goal line, to, uh, you know, one different time. They got stopped in, on a fourth down inside the 12-yard line another time. I mean, there there were a lot of points even left on the field by the Colts in this 17-point win. Yeah, I watched the first half, and uh, the, the Titans had their opportunities to kind of blow it away. I mean, the, the A.J. Brown drop. Could was, have was changed big, the complexion, that, I think, a, of the entire game. Yeah, for sure. 
So yeah, that play, but yeah, outside of that, uh, from what I saw the box score this morning, complete domination by Indy, which was surprising. I, I thought this was going to be close. Brad, game. what do you think of these two teams? Are either of these teams at all contenders or are these kind of just like good, bad teams? Yeah, I don't think either of them are winning the Super Bowl, to be honest. Um, I, th- I thought the box score was closer than perhaps the, the final outcome. Just looking now, success rate, both teams had a 54% success rate. Um, and the difference was probably the late downs um, where Indianapolis had a 56% success, success rate and uh, Tennessee had 27%. Um, and, and, you know, fair play to the Colts. They, you know, they went for it. There was three, three fourth down conversions early that, that they went for and they, they were just aggressive. Um, and then also it looked like the Titans O-line was a problem. Um you know, we've seen it kind of three weeks in a row now against the Steelers, Bears, and now the Colts, where if if you don't bite on the play action, they're, they're struggling to just drop back and pass, mm-hmm. and they're struggling to block as well. Tannehill got drilled a few times. Um, so to, to go back to your initial point, no, I, I think the ceiling of these teams is just capped. Um, the Colts by Philip Rivers, you know, he's just not mobile enough or, or good enough, really, I think, to win a Super Bowl. And the Titans at the minute, the, the, the blocking is a problem. The defense is a problem. There's just people wide open down the field all, all all the time. So one of these will win the division and uh, yeah, I don't think they're going all the way there. Yeah. Same deal. It's, I think they're just good, bad teams to be honest with you. I mean, with Phillip Rivers at quarterback, it just does so much to, to limit. I mean, guys, there were multiple fourth down and one that they got stopped on. Well, third down and one, which led to fourth down and one, which they got stopped both times because the other teams know that the Colts are not going to quarterback sneak. Like they know this one hundred percent that they are not going to quarterback sneak because Phil Rivers can't move and they just crash the line and hit those running backs. It got so bad later in the second half, they actually put in Jacoby Brissett and he ran the quarterback sneak and he scored a touchdown on it actually. But like, that's the, that's the limited, uh, that's kind of like the limited facet of Philip Rivers game that is going to end up biting this team for sure. I mean, the teams know exactly what's coming on these short down situations and they're not confused at all. It's going to be easy pickings for a lot of these guys. So yeah, I think they're more good, bad teams than anything else. Uh, Let's kick things off here in week 10 with a game that probably we don't have a ton of, commentary on the Jaguars and the Packers it is 13 and a half across the board looking at a total of about 49 and a half the Packers looking like one of the better teams in the NFL when it's all said and done the Jaguars kind of regressed back to what we thought they would be sitting at one and seven on the season 30th in net yards per play we thought this was going to be one of the worst teams in the league I think we got fooled a little bit early and thinking that they might be a little bit better than we thought, but they have actually really played out to be exactly what we thought. Brad, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, Nearly two touchdowns. I got to be honest. um, I'm probably not going to be playing this game. Uh, Yeah, I'm with you on this one, Matt. No no bet for me. Um, If forced to pick a side, I probably would go with the Packers. Um, I think up front there is going to be absolutely zero pressure on Rodgers here you've got you've got the best pass blocking team by pass block wing rate and then like a bottom three pass rush from the Jags so what we know kind of the book on Rodgers by now is that if you don't if you don't pressure him with four you're, you're not really going to stop him um, they should get Alan Lazard back here as well so they have a few more weapons on the outside and I think it, for the Packers it's kind of a name your score and then it's um, what do we expect from Jake Luton um, obviously 
he he looked okay last week. But got the uh, got the Jags in the back door there to to lose me a bit. <laughs> um, but but um, I think but the rest of the time we we spoke about it before last week that there was going to be zero pressure on him on Luton just because of the Texans mm. were missing pass rushes. So and obviously he hit he hit a big play early to Chark. Um, then that drive late. To, to get a touchdown but in the middle they didn't really do a lot um, and I think the Packers defence A they'll, they'll have a much better pass rush uh, than the Texans did which which could put a bit more pressure on Luton um, and I think they're probably a bit better than they look this defence because they've, they've faced one of the toughest schedules in the league so uh, obviously that's not the case here um, and I, I would lean to, to le- towards laying the 13 but I'm not involved Brett um, we're looking at like Brad said I mean we're looking at the worst pass defence DBOA in the league against the third best pass offense DBOA in the Packers. They also rank out third best pass blocking unit, according to pro football focus as well. Yards per play. They're sixth overall in the league. I mean, we've seen Aaron Rodgers and this crew carve up defenses that are much better than this one. It's just how, how long are they going to keep their foot on the gas? My only problem is, is if we go, if we judge by what we saw from the Packers the last time, they were cruising. Aaron Rodgers is in there throwing passes. Aaron Jones was supposed to have a limited work role, and he's getting touches in the fourth quarter with five minutes left. Like, I don't know when they're going to pull their foot off the gas. To be perfectly honest, I think if you if you're playing this game, you almost have to lay it. I don't know. We're okay. So we're looking. I'm looking at a weather report that's showing sustained winds of 20 to 25 miles per hour with really strong gusts. So in that, in those conditions, I'm leaning Jacksonville. Uh, we've already seen the struggles the Packers had in the wind against a really poor secondary. They lost outright at home to Minnesota two weeks ago. So how can we trust them to cover two touchdowns when the one thing the Jags do well reasonably well run the football is where the Packers struggle the most defensively. Like Jacksonville's 12th in run grade, 15th in run blocking grade at PFF, Green Bay 21st in run defense grade. Like they're going to stack the box and force Luton to beat them, of course. But I, man, I, I, I'm going to trust him enough to cover this massive number in conditions that benefit Jacksonville. I think two touchdowns is too much. So I, I like Jacksonville here probably more is than it I should. A, is it an underlook then? Because uh, yeah. we're talking about a 50 total here, 49 and a half total. If we think that this weather is going to to bother Jacksonville and even and even uh, the Packers as well, I mean, maybe we're an underlook on this one instead. That is a correlated play for me for sure. Under under in this game is one of my one of my favorite plays of the week. So there and there is a 50 still available out there. It looks like at BetMGM. So if you're looking to get down on that, there is a 50 available out there too. Uh, let's go we to. Saw, yep. Sorry. No. Okay, what's that, Brad? So I was going to say we, we saw how much they got. These totals got bet down a couple of weeks back with the windy game. So uh, yeah, move quickly because this this will probably drop two two and a half points by game day. Yeah, definitely. Um, another game that I'm. Uh, I'm kind of met on here is this Eagles and Giants game. The Eagles on the road, of course, we just talked about the home field advantage is really nil, but um, on the road, three, three and a half, depending on where you're looking. It's three at DraftKings, it's three and a half at FanDuel. Um, we're looking at a total sitting around 44 and a half at most places out there. Um, Brett, I'll start with you on this. Um, 
What are we looking at from a from a standpoint here with this Eagles and Giants game? I mean, look, the the Giants at times look as if they're somewhat competent, but always find a way to somewhat blow it somewhere along the way. The Eagles should be getting better. They're getting healthier. They are looking like at least a little bit more of an NFL football team that they're going to be fielding out there. Um, what do we think about the three or the three and a hook, depending on which way you, you want to go with this? Yeah, I like I like the Eagles here. I, I think this is a good spot to sell the Giants off a a weird win last week where they they won the turn- turnover battle five to zero. They had four point seven yards for play against eight for Washington. Washington, the team that ranked near the bottom of the league in yards per play had eight yards per play against this New York defense last week. And the Eagles coming up to buy, they're going to be healthier this week. This sets up is what should be an Eagles win with a more talented team still with a little stink on it. I think people are hesitant to, to bet Carson Wentz and this Eagles team right now, but they will have more weapons on offense. And uh, this giants team that's been covering week after week. Uh, I think they're going to, I think they're going to fall apart here against this Eagles pass rush. Brad, we've got um, we've got Miles Sanders back at practice. Looks like he's going to go with full participant on Thursday. We actually have Alshon Jeffrey, who was a full participant on Thursday. First full practice for him for this team. So he might actually get back out there. Of course, they got Rager back. Fulgham has stepped up. Uh, you know, I, it seems like this Eagles team maybe is kind of starting to come together at the right time because we, we keep mentioning that that division is such a dumpster fire that it's wide open for them to go ahead and just put a chokehold on um, three, three and a half as we sit right now with the total at 44 and a half. What you think? Yep, um, and it's. I mean, there's there's more people coming back. There, Dallas Goddard back. The the left guard Isaac Sumalo. I think Lane Johnson is is possible to play as well. So yeah, they see they are they are getting healthy. Uh, they're you know they're probably going to be better than what we've seen at any point this season. Um, I like I like I like the extra time to prepare as well for for Doug. Even though he makes some questionable decisions at times, he, he can come up with a good script uh, as we've seen in the Super Bowl a couple of years back. Um, and then again, I agree A with the matchup that, that Brett mentioned there, the Giants offensive line who is dead last in the league by pass block win rate against this talented Eagles D-line who are also healthy as well. So they, they, I think there should be a lot of pressure. And then just worth mentioning on the Giants offense, I've got them 31st in the NFL on early down success rate at 39.6. They're ahead of, they're behind Chicago and the Reds and, and the football team. So they're, they're, Pretty terrible, and um, as I say, we, I think we can expect uh, a better showing from the Eagles with these weapons back, and with pretty much zero home field advantage, as you like to say, Matt. I think three and a half is, is quite a cheap price to lay, so uh, I have laid it. Yeah, we're looking here, guys, at a huge mismatch on the Eagles' defense, uh, defensive line, and and really more the the pressure that they create in the Giants' offensive line and the pressure that they allow. I mean, we're looking at. It, pro football focus hates this Giants offensive line from a pass blocking standpoint anyway, but they allow pressure on 43% of all of Daniel Jones's dropbacks where you're looking at a pass rush from the Eagles that actually gets pressure at an incredibly high rate as well. We know Daniel Jones. We know what happens when he gets under pressure. We understand what is going to go down when that happens. I'm with you guys. I like the three. Um, 
and I'll take the three to back the Eagles as opposed to the three and a half to back the Giants because there are you do have your choices out there, guys. We talk about this all the time. The reason why you have multiple books is because there are there are literally uh, differences in half points on key numbers. So be sure and take a look as depending on which side you want to go on here. But uh, Daniel Jones has shown enough to me to understand that teams that can get consistent pressure on him, he just cannot. Uh, get it done. And so I'm, I'm with you guys 100% think that this is a, a great, great play on the Eagles. It'll be a contest pick for me, though. You might not want to trail my contest picks after last week. But uh, yeah, anyway, that'll be a contest pick for me. And uh, definitely something's going to be in my account as well. Uh, let's take a look here at the Bucks and the Panthers. The Bucks coming off getting embarrassed on Sunday night football by the New Orleans Saints. And the, uh, you know, the question started to come. The question started to come really, really rapidly. Is this team as good as we thought they were? Is this team, uh, you know, was this team getting overblown? Is this team not as, uh, not as good on defense as we thought they were? So all the questions started to come out here. They are five and a half or six point favorites, depending on where you look. The total is sitting at 50 and a half right now against this Carolina Panthers team that is, you know, probably by all, by every metric, uh, you know, overshot expectations, I would think. They are going to be without Christian McCaffrey yet again. So he is not going to be in there for the team. Um, Brad, I'll start with you on this one. Um, When we take a look here, you know, I, I, I didn't really downgrade the Bucks so much as I did upgrade the Saints. That was the first time that we saw a full-strength Saints team all season long where they had all their guys on defense and all their guys on offense, and they were able to play as the team that we thought they were going to be entering the season. And we had not had that all year long. And so I think the Saints – I thought the Saints coming into the season were going to be – a damn good team, very tough for everybody because they were good on both sides. And I think the Bucks were just kind of victim to that. So I don't know. I mean, I didn't downgrade the Bucks so much as I did upgrade the Saints. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I I do have some questions about the Bucks I didn't have three weeks ago because to, to squeak out a win over the Giants, who we've just spoken about how terrible they are. Um, and then... Yeah, it's, it's okay to lose to the Saints to a you know a very good team as you say, but to just get obliterated off the field in the first half like it's mm. concerning to me. You know, really good teams like Mahomes does he's never been blown out really. Um, so I, I did downgrade the Bucks somewhat. Um, now that said, we we know Brady off a loss. Um, you know, he's he's going to be frantic this week. He, they'll be putting a lot a lot of work in. They did have a, you know new weapons on the field with Brown and the rain. One uh, one interesting angle that someone threw out this week was that Brady goes to bed at eight thirty um, <laughs> when he's not playing these primetime games. So so maybe maybe he was tired for these two primetime games. So maybe maybe that's why there's a letdown here. Um, for for this game, to be honest, I've I've got no play side or total. I've, I've just found it a struggle to to find a way in really. Um, so I, I do expect the Bucks to bounce back, um, but I have downgraded them as I said. Um, I, li- I do like the Panthers generally. They're they're a feisty team, and I liked what I saw last week with, with the aggression. You know, going for it on fourth down, trying to control the clock. Um, you know, fake punts, just just basically running optimal 
optimal scheme and, and aggressiveness. And I would expect them to go back to the well here because they they're, they're, know they're, they're big underdogs again. Um, which That would lean me towards the, the plus six if you can get it. But as I say, I'm not involved personally. Yeah, Brad, uh, Brad I'm, I'm looking at this one and I was thinking I would have a position one way or the other on this. And then the more I dug in, the more I kind of thought the number was fair. Um, I actually do have at least a little bit of questions about this Bucks defense. Just, just a little, I mean, again, I am not going to penalize them so incredibly tough because they played what I consider to be one of the top three teams in the NFL in the saints, a full strength saints team, is probably a top three team in the NFL to me. So um, that said, like Brad was saying, you do have to at least wonder how they give up that many points, how they allow the ball to be moved so incredibly easily, how they gave up so many big plays in that game. So where do you sit on this Bucks team real quick before you get into how you're looking at this game? Yeah, I mean, they, they, this is a team that blitzes a lot. They rely on their pressure. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to be susceptible to splash plays, and I think they're, they're going to get beat on those plays uh, occasionally during the season. It is surprising that they've given up this many points uh, over the past few weeks, though. What do you think about the Panthers catching six points against the Bucks at, at uh, against the Panthers on the road? It, it goes against my process to sell the Bucks here after they embarrass themselves on Sunday Night Football. I mean, this is the NFL. It's a week-to-week league. But I, I really love what I'm seeing from Carolina. The Matt Rule mm-hmm. does all the right things to put this team in position to win games. And when you're dealing with a big number like this, Carolina is a you know, plus six, plus six and a half. I think there's a lot to be said about coaches that manage a game optimally. And we know Bruce Arians is not that guy. I mean, he went on a rant against computers this spring. This guy is as old school as it gets. So I I lean Carolina. This one just comes down to coaching for me. I I love what this team is doing. They've been good. They've been good enough protecting Teddy this season to where I trust them to to be able to move the move the ball against the the Bucks defense, even without Christian McCaffrey on the field. They were fine with Mike Davis. And, and they get a big boost in the passing game on Sunday if Carlton Davis does not play for the Bucks as well. That's a huge loss for them. So if he's out, uh, that's even even more reason for me to, to pick. Yeah. If anything were to happen between now and Sunday where this started to get some steam on the bucks. And if I was able to get a touchdown, I would come in on the Panthers for sure. So I, I, you know, and we know the bucks because of Brady and all this, like people love to bet the bucks. This has been one of the more heavily bet teams in the NFL so far this year. So maybe we get lucky and this thing gets up to a touchdown. If that's the case, I would come in on the Panthers. The other reason, because the path of least resistance to attack in the Panthers is, is they have a really shoddy run defense, right? So that also would lend to, to us keeping this game within a touchdown because if the, if, if the score, you know, if the clock continues to run, less time, less plays, things like that, less opportunity for the Panthers to, I mean, for the Bucks to really blow this up on the Panthers. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to hope for a little bit more than the six, but I am with you. If I had to play a side, I would be on the Panther side of it, but I might be in it, you know, for a contest play, maybe that it comes into play as well. You know, maybe I end up doing it from a contest aspect anyway. Uh, Houston Texans on the road at the Cleveland Browns. This has now moved Two, three and a half. You could have found threes yesterday. Trust me, I know because I took it. I paid the expensive three on the Browns and um, feel very, very good about it. This seems like 
the absolute perfect spot for the Browns here, Brett. They were, you know, losing OBJ, but then they were able to go on by. So they're able to figure out how they want to run this offense moving forward without OBJ. They get Nick Chubb back, who, as we know, this offense just was not the same without him out there. It's not, to, that's not an indictment on Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt is good, but Nick Chubb as was just brings a different element and different dynamic to this offense as well. And we know what this Texans team is. It is a bad defense that you are able to attack any which way you want to. And so I actually really, really like this Browns team here. I know you and I have probably lost every Browns bet we've ever made on this podcast, but uh, I'm willing to lose another one. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. This is the other big win game of the week. I'm looking at sustained wins at 25 miles per hour gusts around 40. So this is going to look a lot like two weeks ago where the Browns were actually bad in that in those conditions against the Raiders. But this is this is the Houston Texans and Cleveland. It looks like they're going to get Nick Chubb back. Wyatt Teller, who's been really the biggest loss in that running attack, could return to the lineup this week. Remember, this was the most dominant run game in the NFL mm-hmm. for the first quarter of the season. And for the year, the Browns are running the ball at a 50% clip at five yards a carry versus a Texans team that runs the ball below 40% of the time at fewer than four yards per carry and will likely be without their RB1 this week. So with this run unit for the Browns mostly back intact, I think they're going to have a a sizable advantage in these conditions. Um, And, you know, can the Texans move the ball through, through the air, through the wind against this Browns pass defense? Not in normally. Yeah, they should be able to the Browns secondary has been awful this year, but in these conditions, that's, that's the question. And Houston has been one of the better passing attacks in the NFL this season. You take away their ability to hit these splash plays like they, like they did last week. It limits what they do well on offense. So I'm with you. I'm on the Browns. I would have liked to get it two and a half. I don't have it in my account yet. Even a three and a half though. Uh, I, I do like that number. If there is any resistance we, and we can get this at three. Um, I, I love that. But even at three and a half, I'm I'm with you on the Browns. Yeah, I'm looking here um, 47 and a half on the total in this thing. Like I said, I, I, I bought the three yesterday. Glad I did as it moved to three and a hook today but everything points look I mean not that David Johnson's been a a world beater or anything he's going to be out with a concussion they're going to have to go to Duke Johnson and and and, you know look Duke Johnson's not a scat back by any stretch of the imagination but we just don't know if he can handle every down work in the in the NFL because no one's giving him the opportunity right I mean like we have we have no idea whether he is can handle every down work because everybody's just used him as the gadget back as the third down back and so um We'll, we'll see, you know, I, I, I suspect that he would be able to do all right. But again, we, we have no evidence to one way or the other. So, um, Brad, uh, I, I am, uh, this is one of the ones that I'm actually fairly heavy on so far this week is, uh, the Browns at home here in this one. What, what say you? Uh, yes, I, I like the Browns as well. I am not yet on board. I was I was trying to get the the normal three, um, and I've missed it. So I'm, I'm just I'm just waiting for now to see if it comes back to the three. Um, yeah, it's pretty much in line with you guys. I mean, this wind. If if there was no wind, I would I would back the Texans plus the plus the three. But it, you know, it just nullifies exactly what they do well. Um, and then so you got the as as Brett said, you got the Browns with a better run D. Uh, uh, the better run O, but they've also got the better run defense. Mm-hmm. Houston have got the 28th ranked def- rush defense by Football Outsiders DVOA. With Wyatt Teller in in there, the Browns are over six yards per carry this year. Um, and and just remember, 
a, a few weeks back, they they ran all over the, those Indianapolis Colts who who just uh, you know who've been very impressive the last few weeks. Um, so I think yeah, they're, they're getting healthy in the run game at at the perfect time. They've got the perfect matchup, perfect conditions. Um, so <laughs> that said, I, I'm still waiting for the three right. because um, if, if if it is more low scoring than expected. Um, yeah, I, I don't want it to come down to a field goal and I'll lose my bet. So I'll, I'm going to wait, see if it comes back. And if it does, I will take it. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, no beat writer ever comes out and is like, oh, yeah, he looks like garbage. But if you believe the beat writers, they were saying that Nick Chubb looked like week one Nick Chubb at practice this week, like that he is as full as like Ooh. fully healthy, 100 percent, you know, the whole nine yards. Again, you never have a beat writer come out and be like, oh, yeah, he came back to practice. And he looked like garbage today. Like they never say that. But, uh, you know, anyway, if you want it, just if you want some narrative here on on Nick Chubb, they supposedly Nick Chubb looks like week one Nick Chubb out there and everything is perfectly fine uh with him so we'll take that for uh for kind of like what we're what, what we're trying to do we'll say that that's all right that supports what i'm trying to to back here uh denver broncos and the las vegas raiders the raiders are four point home favorites in this one as we are sitting here right now we are looking at a total of about 50 and a half each place that we are going about this one. So 50 and a half is pretty much across the board. There is a four and a half. If you want to, uh, if you want to get involved there, depending on which side of the game you want to be on. So four, four and a halfs are both available for the Broncos and the Raiders. Um, Brett, I'm going to start with you on this one. If we're looking at how this game should play out, we have we have a Raiders team that has been fairly efficient on offense, really to my shock. I thought that this offense was going to be incredibly run heavy and John Gruden was just going to pound Josh Jacobs into the line, you know, 30 times a game. And then they would have to try and make Derek Carr do the do the impossible with uh, with passing the ball. But actually, they have not done that. They've actually been fairly efficient on offense so far this year. One of the teams that has shocked me probably the most when it comes to uh, particularly the pass offense, right? Like the the pass offense has been much better than I've given it credit for. This uh, this Denver team, we understand kind of it's not the Denver defense of old. It is more kind of the opposite way of what we've said that it, kind of like the rush the, the rush defense is better than the pass defense as opposed to, you know, the opposite way around. This number seems very appropriate to me. Um, I don't know. Uh, getting more than a field goal with the Broncos seems like maybe if I had to bet it one way or the other, that'd be the way that I leaned. But I don't know. The number of four just seems very appropriate. It does. And I'm going to fall right back into the trap that I fell into last week at the exact same <laughs> number. I'm just going to be stubborn. And, and, you know, after the Broncos lit my tickets on fire against the Falcons last week, look at here was four, which was appropriate. Mm-hmm. This is actually five mm-hmm. for a while this week is now moving back towards four. The, the Broncos got some positive injury news on offense and defense on Thursday. So even even at four, I like the Broncos a very similar spot to last week when Brad, you and I were on them and Drew Locke was abysmal in the first half and played them out of the game. They made a run in the second half, which I hope to see more of in the first half this week against a leaky secondary for Las Vegas. And, you know, coming off that performance last week, I, I'm going to buy 
Drew Locke with all his all of his weapons trending toward playing. Fant, Judy are likely to play, and you know, like I said, some key players returning to this defense. Uh, I just think selling Denver here after a bad game last week is a mistake. So I'm I'm pretty heavy on Denver. Brad, we uh, I think we were all on Denver last week as well. I think I ended up on them as well. So awesome for all of us. Uh, that was yeah, that <laughs> Sorry, was super man. fun. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, not the not the best contest week for us, and even uh, it, it, for that for sure. Um, this is a it's just a weird were game we all for in me. Denver last week in the contest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all were, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which probably could lead to that uh, that stellar zero and fifteen record that we had combined last week in the contest. So, <laughs> uh, hey, we, there's we can only go up this week, boys. There's only there's only hey, only one way to go. Um, Bounce back. Yeah, it is. Brad, uh, you know, look, this this Broncos offense, I mean, showed signs of life way too late last week. I mean, Jerry Judy flashed. Of course, that was fortunately that saved a lot of my week because we, we actually mentioned it here on the podcast. That was an egregiously low prop on Jerry Judy. I was able to hit that at multiple books, uh, multiple times. And so that was a that was kind of a week saver for me when, when it came down to it. Um this uh this Raiders team, can they beat it's like four? It's not a field goal. It's like, can they beat this Broncos team by more than four points? Um, I I do like the Raiders to score their points. They, mm-hmm. they I mean, they they still seem to be a little bit underrated. Um I've got them eighth in uh, early down success rate, 49%. Um, ahead of that's like ahead of the Cardinals, ahead of the Rams. Um so I do think they're good. They've been missing two of their tackles like half of these weeks now, and it doesn't seem to slow them down. They just marched up and down the field last week. Um, they got a bit conservative late and nearly let the Chargers back in there. But um, I, I'm confident that they can move the ball on this Denver defense. So the bigger question to me was, what can Denver do? Um, because they've, they've done this a couple of weeks in, the row, in a row now where they've been awful the first half and then just kind of come back in garbage time. So again, they're, they're, we mentioned it earlier a bit, I've got them 32nd in the NFL in early down success, success rate, non-garbage time. Um, that is behind the Giants, behind the Bears, just, yeah, dead last in the league. So that to me is concerning. It, it and it probably starts with Drew Locke because the weapons are good, aren't they? We, yeah. we spoke about them before with, with Fant and, and Hamler and um, Jerry Judy. So, yeah, it's, it, basically the question for me was the over 50 and a half or the Raiders minus four. Um, and I ended up on the Raiders side because there is, seems to be some question about the, the right tackle situation. They could be down to their third starting right tackle of the season, Denver. Um, which is not ideal with a, with a young quarterback. So I, I did bet the Raiders minus four. Yeah, I um, look, you know, like I said, it's kind of a reverse what we've seen from from Denver in the past, right? It was always you can't pass on Denver. They they have one of the elite, not only pass rushes, but then the, the secondary was great as well. That's not the case this year. It's kind of flip-flopped. You can't really run on Denver, but you can pass on them. And, and you know, look, I thought Derek Carr might have lost his job by this point in the season. Like, I mean, I was making predictions before the season started. I was like, Marcus Mariota is going to start games for this Raiders team. Like, you know, no doubt about it. But that didn't uh, that didn't come to fruition. He's actually been way better than I thought here. Um, I think this Raiders team could probably uh, take advantage of the, really what it comes down to is 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 the lack of offense when it's not completely needed in garbage time. I mean, that's the problem with this Broncos team is they just don't score until they go into this crazy, frantic, you know, five minute offense type deal. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with you, Brad. I, I kind of like the, uh, 
Kind of like the Raiders in this one as well. Chargers and the Dolphins, one of the more interesting games of the week, fellas. This is a Dolphins team with Tua under center. And one of the things that we brought up last week was that, hey, they win that first game. They didn't really need Tua. He wasn't all that great. Flash forward one week and Tua looks like everything that we thought Tua was going to be in the NFL. This rookie class of quarterbacks is the most insane thing I've ever seen. I've never seen three dudes step in and just look like they're seasoned veterans, like these three guys that are doing it in the NFL this year. It's it's really, really crazy. This was two and a half in favor of the Dolphins. It has moved to one and a half in favor of the Dolphins. So we've seen some move here in this game. We're looking at a total in this one in the 48 and a half range. Um, Brad, let's uh, let, let's look at this one. I mean, this to me, I'll I'll be fully transparent. When this was at two and a half, this was a teaser leg for me with the Colts that happened last night. So I took the Colts up to eight and paired it with this Chargers team up to eight and a half. The thing about the Chargers team, they do continue to lose games and lose close games, but they are in every single game to the very end. One of the biggest mismatches of the week, in my opinion, is the Chargers defensive line versus this Dolphins offensive line. I think they're going to be making Tua have to uh, make some quick decisions and, uh, and, and might actually make this one a little bit tougher on, on Tua than he's seen the last couple of weeks here. Chargers, is uh, Chargers really, really, uh, really, really a different animal on the defensive line side against this Miami team? Yes, yeah, I, I, I like that angle there. Um, that that key matchup of Bosa and Ingram going to be one of the like second or third times they've actually played together all season against this Dolphins offensive line, which ranks thirty first in in pass pass block win rate. Um, now we spoke. I've spoken a few times about how Fitzpatrick was helping cover up for that. Um, and then Tua's first game, they were a mess against Donald and the Rams, and they got about 100 yards or 140 total yards, or whatever, and three yards per play. And then last week, it looked like it wasn't a problem. Um, but again, I think that was probably flattering the Dolphins as well. So they were outgained by 1.3 yards per play, so 5.6 for them, 6.9 for the Cardinals, uh, 312 total yards for the Dolphins, 442 yards for the Cardinals. So it's probably a misleading final. And it's worth remembering that the Cardinals were down two of two of their corners. They're missing their best pass rush, pass rusher in Chandler Jones. So I think it was a very very favorable final box score for the Dolphins, and that's probably been two weeks in a row now. So now again they've got this horrible mismatch, and and two has got that lefty motion where you know the lefties they they sort of swing the ball around a bit more. They're not quite as compact as some of the right-handers. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of Bosa strip sacks, and then offensively uh justin herbert he's just been outstanding hasn't he uh every, every week the Chargers, i think were five and oh to the over since he's been in there he's, he's top 10 in qbr um pff passing grade he is he's actually lower than i thought he's, he's 16th that's surprising i thought it'd be better than that but um the numbers they're putting up are, are top 10 offensive numbers so i think the Chargers are the better team and they're they have been better this week um, but I would still say any plus money on the Chargers mm. is a value bet. Yeah, I actually, Brett, am going to also just play the Chargers on the money line as opposed to taking the point and a half. I think they win this game. Listen, we talk about the mismatch between the defense and the offense here, and Chargers have the lowest blitz rate in the league 
but they still create pressure within two and a half seconds, 30% of the time without having a blitz. Like that's how good this, uh, the, the front four is for this Chargers team. And I think with Tua back there, I said it, I said it, Hey, maybe it's going to be a welcome to the NFL kid moment for him uh, last week. I actually think that might come this week instead. Um, I, I understand the Chargers have a knack of blowing leads and blowing games and, and all that. Um, but Give me the money line. I think they win this one outright. Yeah, this is my probably my favorite spot of the week. And look, I love this Miami team. I Same. love what they've done this year. You guys know that. Our, our listeners know that. I've been on them just about every single week. But there's no team more due for regression than the Miami Dolphins going into week 10. They are plus 11 points per game above the spread this season. That's more than double the next team, Pittsburgh, at 4.9. Uh, the last two Miami wins came despite putrid performances from Tua. They were all gained by 1.3 yards per play last week in a win against Arizona, helped by another defensive touchdown. And now that the market has recovered on the Chargers following a couple losses, games that they certainly could have won, I see this as a great spot with Joey Bosa trending toward coming back. And we've seen the difference in this defense when Bosa is on the field. Like you said, I got this note too. a team that has the lowest Mm -hmm. blitz rate in the NFL because they can win at the line of scrimmage with these two elite edge rushers uh, that just take over a game and Miami, not good uh, protecting the quarterback. So yeah, this is this is charged. And on the Dolphin side of the ball as well, I mean, you know, uh, it seemed for whatever reason like Tua had a really good connection with Preston Williams as well. Preston Williams heads to IR this week, and so he's not going to be out there either. So one 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 guy that in a limited sample size here looked like you know was going to be kind of a favorite of of Tua, and he heads to the IR as well. So there's just a lot of reasons I think that the Dolphins our team to kind of fade this week. Um, so really do like the chargers a, a really good bit in that game to win that thing outright. And of course you're still, if you, if you play teasers, you still have a teaser leg available right now. It's still sitting at a point and a half. So you can, you can bump them up all the way through the three and the seven to get this thing to seven and a half. So uh, if you're a teaser player, by all means, you want to get to that because this thing, I think by kickoff, it would not surprise me if this thing is a pick em. That's kind of my uh, that's kind of my feel on the way that this thing started to move. Looking at the Bills and the Cardinals, we know we're starting with Brett because we're talking about the Bills. Hey, we were very high on the over last week. That got home. Uh, fortunately, listen, totals we were great last week. Sides, eh, you know, whatever. We'll short memory, short memory. You know, no no big deal there. Um, the Bills on the road as two and a half point dogs. To the Arizona Cardinals, we're sitting here with a total in this one sitting at 56 and a half. Now, if you're wondering, like, what do you mean? What are you talking about here? Like, how is this a how is this a 56 and a half total? Well, not only have these offenses been playing well, but guys, we have a matchup here of two of the fastest teams in the NFL as well. The Bills, eighth in situation neutral pace. Cardinals, second in situation neutral pace so you have these teams that play fast score a lot of points both teams built to pass as well um brett your boys get it done last week look good doing it it was the perfect spot for them what do you think about the spot this week 
Yeah, normally I would see this as a stock high, stock low spot. Arizona off the the loss to Miami last week, albeit a very misleading loss, as we just talked about. And and, uh, Buffalo just having its way with Seattle in that defense. But this... This line's telling me that Arizona is a half point to a point better than Buffalo, and I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure about that. Like, if if and when this gets to three, I think I have to bet the Bills. So that'll be something I'm monitoring here on Friday into the weekend. I think it was at three early in the week, and I missed that. But if it does get to three, I like the Bills because I, I just don't think Arizona is is a better team than Buffalo. So. Even though the Bills are on the road here traveling, I that that's the kind of the way I'm leaning, and I I'm with you. I I I, I don't know why this total isn't higher, and, and it's crazy yeah. to say that because it's 56. But this is 2020, and like you said, these are two of the fastest offenses, two passing heavy offenses who don't like to run the football, and I feel like this should be closer to 60. So I like the over. Yeah, this one too. It, it, it was. When I looked at when I broke this one down, I looked and I saw the 56 and a half and I understand that people are going to shy away from something like that. But Brad, we've we just we talked about this at the top of the podcast. The average NFL game is landing at 50.7 points per game as we sit right now. That's the average game. We're talking about two good off two good pass offenses. We know what happens. Incomplete passes stop the clock. We're also talking about two of the fastest pace teams in the NFL as well. I know you you feel weird putting an over ticket of 56 and a half in your account, but I'm probably going to have an over 56 and a half ticket in my account. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's quite a lot of interesting things here. So one, yeah, I'm on the same side as you guys, essentially. Um, cause it's not just the pace. It's also uh, how pass happy the bills were. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw last week in the first half that they decided, right, we're, we're not even going to bother trying to run the ball here. And they went 31 passes. Yeah, 31 passes to, to three runs. And they, they absolutely shredded the Seahawks. I think Josh Allen was about 150 yards in the first quarter. Um, and I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't go straight back to that. Um, the, the Cardinals are, are slightly better against the pass. So... Oh no! Hold on, I've, I've got that wrong there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why you wouldn't just stick with with that plan, especially because if John Brown is out there, he, he practiced in full yesterday. Um, you, you've got the weapons to match up very well against this Cardinals defense, um, and, and Josh Allen has shown he, he's happy to go out there and sling it around thirty-one times and a half. Um, and then if, if you force uh, you force Kyle Murray to keep pace, a they speed up even more, and it, b you force him to use his legs, and then they're they're one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL as well. Um, and one of the one of the things we spoke about last week when we bet that over against Seattle for the Bills is how some of their totals were compressed in the month prior just because of you know bad spots or, or bad weather. Um, and it seems like when the weather is good, when they're in a dome, they're, they're putting up 34, 31 type of games each week. Um, and, and Arizona could certainly do that as well. We saw what they did against the Seahawks game or against these Dolphins last week. So, uh, yeah, I uh, I agree on the over 56 and a half. Yeah, John Brown, full participant on Thursday. Trey White was back out at practice as well. And then if we want to say, hey, there's some uh, there, there's some good news for scoring as well. Uh, the Cardinals defense had tons and tons. Now, it's a Thursday. There's still a Friday report, so be sure and take a look at that. But there were tons of DNPs on the the defensive side of the ball for the Cardinals as well. So they're going to be down at least some players. I don't know which players exactly, but they're going to be down some. I mean, Buda Baker didn't practice. Foto didn't practice. Um, 
Phillips did uh, Jordan Phillips didn't practice. There are a bunch of guys that didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday. So uh, monitor that injury report as well. And you know that that could if you're leaning towards an over in that game, that might certainly put you over the edge because uh, if they're if they're down at least if they're down two of those guys, then that defense is going to be struggling against this Bills team that is built to pass this year for sure. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Brad, the big question here was earlier in the week, the Steelers had to put all these people on, you know, COVID list, including Ben Roethlisberger. Since then, looks like everything is going as planned. Steelers will be at pretty much full strength going into this game. So that is why we've seen this number rise. It was at five and a half. It was at six. It was at six and a half. There is one six and a half still left out there. But majority sevens, we've even seen this thing break through the seven mark at MGM and is now seven and a hook. So we have seen this thing fly now that it looks like all the Steelers are going to be on the field against the Bengals, who let's just be let's let's just call a spade a spade here have been quite, quite scrappy and have certainly been cover machines here over the first half of the season. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of pretty interesting angles here. So just on early down success rate, non-garbage time, the Bengals are significantly better than the Steelers, which I'm not sure a lot of people would have told you. So I've got the, the Bengals, seventh in the NFL, 49.2% success. That's one spot behind Kansas City, one spot ahead of the Las Vegas Raiders. So they are moving the ball well. And then down at 21st, you've got the Pittsburgh Steelers at 44.7%. Um, but I have not bet this game because there are two enormous mismatches along the line of scrimmage. Um, Mm -hmm. Bengals are 27th in adjusted sack rate allowed and obviously going up against just the best defensive line in the NFL. Um, now I know Burrow, you know, they, they put him back there and empty, he gets the ball out quick. He can run around. But we saw against the Ravens, which is probably the other biggest mismatch this year, like he can also just get pummeled. Um, and then similarly, the Steelers' offensive line they they rank, you know, the PFF has their one of their mis- they've got a mismatch kind of matrix there, and um, the Steelers' O line is is a, is a significant mismatch for the Bengals here. Um, so I can see them running the ball, giving Big Bang time back there as well, and. If you give the Steelers time, obviously the weapons on the outside, they're, they're good enough that they can get open deep. You can dump it off and, and do whatever you want. So I stayed away from this game just because there's... I don't want to bet against that kind of offense efficiency that, that favors the Bengals, but I can see I can see them just getting pummeled at the line of scrimmage as well. So uh, I'm not sure. Would lean Bengals plus seven and a half, but no bet for me. Yeah, Brett, it's, to me, I didn't know there was going to be seven and a half show, to be honest with you. I did not think that this thing would get through the seven. Um, only one book right now has it, but it is available out there. That's a fairly tempting number to me. Um, we saw in uh, last week, they beat the Titans outright. They beat them outright by beating the hell out of them, really. And if you take a look at what the big difference was, is Burrow had been t- sacked 28 times going into that game. He got sacked zero times in that game. He had been hit more than any quarterback in the league. He got hit twice in that game. Now, that is going to change against the Steelers team. They're going to be able to get some pressure, but maybe, maybe, 
the Bengals figured something out. Maybe they figured something, uh, some sort of blocking scheme to help keep him at least clean a little bit longer. And I think what we've seen, and the numbers bear this out, I mean, the pro football focus said he's having a historically accurate season for a rookie. If, if Burrow has time to throw the ball, He's got the weapons. I mean, like they can move the ball on the Steelers team. It's not like that they're it's it's really just going to come down to is he always on his ass or not because he's getting the hell beat out of him back there. But if he has time to throw, I think the Bengals score points on the Steelers team. Well, first of all, we're operating under the impression that Big Ben is going to play, right? right? Because that's kind of the big that the question right now. I mean, he's not practicing. He's expected to play. But the the, the look ahead here was ten and a half. Like this moved three, three and a half points because of what the Bengals did against Tennessee last week? Maybe. Well, the Bengals were on a bye, weren't they? Two weeks, two ago, weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Mel, yeah I mean, the, the, Steelers look, the Steelers look terrible against Garrett Gilbert and that rabble out in uh, in Dallas. So that, that's probably into it. That's well. true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, like you guys said, the, the mismatch up front is about as lopsided as it gets. Uh, I... <sighs> I didn't know what to do with this because I I thought this should be closer to 10. So I'm looking at seven and a half with Ben probable. And I'm like, I, what am I missing? I, I just, I, 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 I would like to buy the Steelers off of how bad they looked against Dallas last week, I guess. So even at, even with the hook here at seven and a half, I, I lean Steelers, but I with with uncertainty going into this game. I, I'm kind of staying away. Yeah. From I, I mean, look, the Beagles defense is certainly, certainly not good by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, one of the things we've seen from this Steelers offense, and this is not just, this is not recency bias. This is not going back just to that Cowboys game. This is what we've seen all season long. They are not consistent on offense. They go in these giant lulls in games where they cannot move the ball in literally just horrible three and outs time and, you know, drive after drive. And this is a this has become a pattern, right? They've not been able to figure out how to consistently move the chains throughout the course of a game, and um, which is why I've kind of dropped the Steelers in my power rankings as well because that's just not going to play throughout the course of a playoffs. Like somebody's just going to outscore you, and you're going to get beaten that way. But um, I don't know. Now that that hook showed, guys, I didn't know that it was out there. I think that's that's fairly recent. Um, now that, that hook showed. I kind of lean towards the Bengals at seven and a half, if we're being perfectly honest here. Um, maybe that's a little burrow bias in my bones here, but uh, I, I I love what I see in this offense when he has time to throw. I mean, so many weapons, so, I mean, so incredibly accurate. Um, give me the seven and a half. You know what? Give me the freaking seven and a half. I'm taking the seven and a half. That's what I'm going to do. So we're going to, when I get off here, I'm going to put my, my money where my mouth is. Uh, Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams. Brett, one of the more interesting games of the week, one of the bigger games of the week in a division that is still wide open when we take a look at it. I mean, three good teams in that division. Of course, with the expanded playoffs, it just means a lot anyway because, uh, you know, at least two of these teams are going to make it. Hell, maybe three are going to make it if all, if you know, things break crazy. But um, Seattle Seahawks coming off of, you know, as we talked about that beat down to your bills, they are one and a half or two point dogs on the road to the Rams. I've been buying on the Seahawks all year. I got off of them last week. I didn't play the the side in that one. I just played the the total. 
I think this is where I'm going to jump off of the ship here for the Seahawks. And I think this is where I'm going to come in and back a team that I don't like because I don't like quarterbacks that I think are kind of middle of the road to, to, to bad. And I do believe that in Jared Goff, but the Seahawks team is not going to pressure him. And if he's not dealing with that, then we've seen Jared Goff be able to sit back there and actually do some stuff. And I think this Rams defense is going to be able to do enough to keep the Seahawks from putting up a million points again. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm selling the Seahawks this week. Wow. I, I've i been dreadful at having both of these teams so far this year. So this is the one game that I have not even really looked at yet as far as sides go. But I do... I do kind of like the under. I, you know, Seattle's been hitting overs every week. As, as, as Brad pointed out, this is a great over team. But these two teams don't play at a fast pace. And I think the Rams should want to slow it down and keep the ball out of the hands of Russell Wilson. We've seen McVay do that uh, quite a bit under his tenure. So I, the under 54 is my play here. I think, I think you're right. I think the Rams will be able to have success. Uh, stopping the Seattle offense and, and slow it down and play at their pace. So that that's kind of the way I'm looking. I'm curious to see what you guys think about size here, though. Well, it sounds like Matt is on the Rams, but uh, Brad. Yeah, Brad, you know, look, this thing's a point and a half. It's kind of that, you know, point and a half, two. You can't get a two. I see that there is a two at FanDuel and points bet if you want to get in on those two places. Point and a half pretty much everywhere else across the industry. I mean, there's no doubt the Seahawks offense is really good. There's no doubt that they're going to be able to score some points. There is also very, very little doubt that this is one on pace to be one of the historically bad pass defenses in, in NFL history. They are giving up a historic amount of yardage through the first uh, nine weeks of the season. And it is every team. It's come one, come all. You can pass on us. It doesn't matter what, which team is on the other side of the field. And, you know, look, I'm not a Jared Goff fan. But he still has, you know, some pretty good weapons on that side of, of the of the ball. And uh, I think the Rams might be able to do enough on defense to at least limit what Russell Wilson can do. Yeah, I think the Rams. So my, my initial look was was towards the Seahawks. Um, you know, when in doubt. This year, I'm going to want the right. team, and I'm going to want the more more efficient passing team. Um, and it's drifted up, isn't it? You can probably get around plus one eighteen or so on on the Seattle money line. But as I delved into it, it looked I was there were some concerning things essentially that have kept me off it. So one is um, Aaron Donald versus possibly a backup center, um, Ethan Pochich, the the Seahawks center. He's questionable. That it sounds like there is legitimate question whether he will play. Um, and the backup is Kyle Fuller, also a cornerback, uh, <laughs> who's got two career starts. Um, and that is just not going to be ideal against Aaron Donald, um, especially as Mike Iupati, the, the guard there, he's, he's recently back in the lineup from an injury, but he's a better run blocker as well than a pass blocker. So um, I think there, there will be some, there, there will be interior pressure. Now, obviously, Russell is, is good enough that he, he can avoid some of that and take that strain off, but it's still not ideal to get penetration up the middle, no matter who you are. Um, and then on the outside, it sounds like they're probably going to match up Jalen Ramsey with uh, monster DK Metcalf. And I would say if there's anyone in the league that can cover Metcalf mm-hmm. one-on-one, and it, it's not been proven that there is yet, it's probably Jalen Ramsey. Um, so if that, that, that could nullify 
they could nullify what they do there somewhat. Um, but then on the other side of that, the Rams, the, the, the Rams defense it is getting quite a lot of publicity, probably because of those two stars I mentioned, and and they put up good numbers this year. But they've faced one of the easiest schedule of opposing offenses yet. They're, they've not faced anyone like the Seahawks yet. Um, so I, I, I still see the Seahawks getting theirs. Um, and then as for the Rams, I think they will move the ball pretty consistently. Again, it's the pass rush, I think like Brett mentioned there. If, if the pass rush is in there, Goff can move the ball. Um, McVeigh has had two weeks to to scheme here with a bye. And so he's going to have more time than he needs to work out how to tear up this Seattle secondary because it's terrible. Um, so essentially, I'm going back to my old reliable and unfortunately opposite Brett with the over um, because I, I'd, also, I'd also think that Mave will have watched that Bills Bills tape last week and gone alright oh, they've just put up 44 points just by chucking the ball all over the yard um, yeah I, I can do that as well actually mm. why, why don't we just do the exact same thing um, so I suspect that will be how he attacks them um, so yeah I, I thought the over 54 was worth a bit yeah I think this is going to be a game where we find out a lot about Sean McVay right and, and we're going to find out if this guy is actually as sharp as, as we thought he was the last couple of years because this Rams team is actually one of the more run heavy teams in the NFL like they are they they love to run the football they're actually good at it one of the more efficient teams at running the football I mean whenever but when you look I mean teams pass the 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 Rams run the ball 45 percent of the time which in today's NFL is a is a ton right like teams are more in the 60 40 range whatever they're like 55 45 but teams pass the ball against Seattle 68% of the time, you know, because it is so easy to throw the ball on them. So is McVay sharp enough to get off of what he wants to do, which is run the ball almost at a 50-50 split and go to a very pass-heavy offense against the obvious weakness of this team? So I think we'll learn pretty soon whether he is, you know, pretty early in this game, whether he's going to be stubborn and say, hey, look, you know, we run the ball. We run the ball well. I'm going to keep doing it. You know, their second rush success rate on the season. They run block very, very well. Um, but that's just not the path of least resistance to this Seahawks team. And so uh, I'm going with the fact that, as you said, Brad, the guy's got eyes. He's got a tape. You know, he's got he's got a computer where he can watch film and he can see what's going on here. So I'm I'm going with the old unfortunate assumption of rational coaching here, which has bit me in the ass a million times, but I'm going to assume rational coaching here. So Sean McVay, don't let me down. I'll take the Rams here in this game. I think the defense can limit just a little bit of what the Seattle Seahawks can do, and that'll be enough to get this thing done. Sunday, we have the 49ers and the New Orleans Saints. This thing has been on the run. It is all the way up to 10 at some spots and Brad, this new Orleans saints team looked like the team that maybe a lot of people thought they would be coming into this season. As we talked about at the top of the show, the saints had not been healthy on both sides of the ball all season. Even when they had Michael Thomas for the first two weeks of the year, the defense was all banged up. They were not, they were not healthy there. Then when Thomas goes out, then Emmanuel Sanders was in and out. The defense started to get a little bit healthier, but the offense was not healthy. Then last week, it all comes together, and we see that incredible beatdown of one of the teams that I think most people would have said were, was a top-five team in the NFL. Drew Brees 
as much as to be said about him not wanting to throw the ball down the field and not having the arm strength to do it and not being able to push the ball 20 plus yards down the field, they have figured out a way to make this offense work without him having to do that. And I think like we have to just kind of at some point say, well, maybe they don't need to do that to score points. I mean, the way that they run this thing, they're perfectly fine. Just matriculating the ball down the field, dink, dunk, throw it to Kamara, throw it to Thomas over the middle, hit a tight end here and there, some weird Taysom Hill three-yard run to keep a to keep a drive going. And that's just how they're okay with playing offense. Um, it's all the way to double digits. However, that said, this 49ers team is a shell of the team they were even a few weeks ago. Yeah, I found it tough to have a strong view on the side here because I probably would lean to taking the double digits with um, with the Niners here. You know, it's, it, that's kind of the the buy low, sell high. Obviously, the Saints have just smashed their division rivals and to, you know high profile team, whereas the the Forty Nine ers just got smashed. Um, and obviously, Shanahan a few extra days to cook up some schemes in his walk. <laughs> I quite I quite I quite like him to come up with a decent game plan here. But unfortunately, it is still Nick Mullins against a top ten defense. So I don't really want any part of that. The best look I thought uh, was probably the under. These two these are two teams. So. San Francisco 28th in situation neutral pace. New Orleans are the dead last in situation neutral pace. So we've got two bottom four teams in pace. Uh, and they both love to run the ball. Um, they're both, uh, again, in the uh, in the top 10 in most run heavy teams. And San Fran obviously are working with a backup quarterback. So they might even be more run heavy. Whereas the Saints are 10 point favorites. So if they get the lead, they're going to be even more run heavy as well. So a lot. A lot of runs. Well, maybe not that many runs because they're going to be snapping it with three seconds left on the play clock. But a lot of running and uh, a lot of moving clock and a relatively high total. So I would uh, I would lean to the under here. Yeah, I like that take. Yeah, two of the very slowest teams in all of the NFL, dead last and 29th when it comes to situation neutral pace. Uh, 50, you know, 49 and a half is still available out there, Brett. You know, I mean, there's a 49 and a half still available in this game. Look, I understand. I do believe the Saints will score a decent amount of points in this game, but I don't know how much San Francisco adds to that to help out, to be perfectly honest. So um, even if the Saints go for 27 or 31, are we thinking San Francisco really is going to score 20, 20 points in this game? I don't know, to be honest with you. So yeah, I, I actually do like that under look. Yeah, I'm with you guys. If I had to make a play on this game, I'm with you guys on the under. As far as the side goes, it- this is like Brad said, this is kind of the perfect storm of the team that looked the worst last week against the team that looked the best. But the number actually dropped from the look ahead of 10. So, I mean, we're, we're looking at nine and a half right now. So interesting stuff in the market considering the Niners are still going to be without most of their weapons in this offense. They're, they're, it looks like they're going to have Brandon Ayuk and, and Kendrick Gordon back, but no Kittle, no Debo, no Mostert, Kev, Tevin Coleman, obviously no Jimmy G. And New Orleans is about as healthy as it has been all season. I hate laying big numbers with Drew Brees mm-hmm. in this offense. Stuff. Like they can't score on you quickly unless Kamara rips off a big run. But man, the Snyder's team is just so bad. So this is this is a stay away as far as sides go. But I uh, I I think you guys are on the right side with the uh, yeah. with the under here, considering how both these yeah, teams. Yeah, the other thing I think to point out this 49ers defense side. You know they are what we used to be a real strength for this team. They're only generating quick pressure. 
18% of the time now with all these injuries and all these guys on the sidelines. So quarterbacks are able to just sit back and, and, and pick teams apart. And here's the deal with Drew Brees. The one thing, if you're going to give him time, he can sit there and he can hit those little seven yard and eight yard passes all friggin' day long. Right. I mean, if he's, if he has time to sit back there and just do that, that's one thing he is still elite at and elite at doing. So, yeah, I mean, if I had to play a side, I'd play the Saints, but I do like that underlook in this one, guys. I think that is probably the way to go here. Uh, Sunday night football, the Baltimore Ravens at the New England Patriots. We are looking at sevens mostly. There is a six and a half at FanDuel if you are looking for that. So you can get the Ravens at less than a touchdown if you're looking to back the Ravens over at FanDuel right this second. Hopefully it's still there by the time this makes your ears. Um, Guys, look. I think this is fairly, you know, fairly straightforward when when we take a look at this. I mean, Brett, it's a very struggling Patriots team to score any points, to have any offensive success. There's no playmakers at all on this team. Um, despite Jacoby Myers going absolutely nuts last week, I think that had much more to do with the opponent than it does with him actually being the next Randy Moss uh, there in, in New England. And we have a, a Ravens team that really has been kind of Meh, this year on offense. They have been very middle of the road, very meh. That being said, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, this will be the most popular teaser leg of the week for liability for books. Everybody is going to tease tease the Ravens down to a point. I don't blame them for teasing the Ravens down to a point to where they basically only have to win this game. As bad as is, I'm not going to say as bad, as middle of the road, as the offense has been, I don't think they lose this game to this Patriots team, to this version of this Patriots team. They are going to get Marlon Humphrey back as well. So that certainly helps the defense for the Ravens. Um, but let's uh, let's not look at it from a teaser leg, Brett. Let's look at it from just the seven or the six and a half that's available out there. Uh, what do you think about Ravens heading on the road to the Patriots? So I'm hearing about sharp money coming in on the Patriots, which is keeping this at a touchdown. And I totally get it. I mean, what the Ravens have done in some of these covers this year is so fraudulent. It actually reminds me of what the Patriots did last the first half of last year when they were losing in the box score, but covering big numbers because of turnover luck and really high scoring rates on those turnovers. That's what the Ravens are doing this year. And then they were pitiful on offense again last week and still got out of Indy with a two touchdown win. A lot of that due to a fumble recovery for a touchdown and then a, a controversial interception by Marcus Peters that flipped the momentum of the game. And while, yes, this Ravens defense is aggressive, this is what they do. They try to force turnovers. They're performing above expectation in that regard. And with how bad this offense has been all season, it's really hard for me to lay seven points with them against Bill Belichick, who, you know, while he doesn't have the the personnel he would like to have on the defense, he still finds ways to take away what the offense does best. And for Baltimore, that's attacking on the ground, force Lamar Jackson to beat you through the air. When these two teams met last year, the game was much closer than the 37 to 20 score for the Ravens. Like they held Lamar Jackson to less than four yards per carry on 16 runs, but the Ravens got bailed out by a 70 yard fumble recovery for a touchdown. I I can see this being close. I, I'm leaning Patriots here. I just feel like a touchdown is too much. 
And if this does, if this does get to seven and a half, uh, Patriots will be in my account and this will be a contest play for me. Brad, a uh, 43 and a half total makes a ton of sense. We have the second and third most run heavy teams in the NFL going at it in this game. So that total makes perfect sense. And you have a very struggling offense in the Patriots. I hadn't put up a bunch of points on the board all season as it is anyway. And then, of course, we're talking about the struggles of the Ravens. Total makes sense to me with it being so incredibly low. Um, With a total that low, of course, that does lean towards the underdog. Um, If you were looking to, to bet this thing on a side, what say you when it comes to the Ravens and the Patriots? Yes. Well, I've been low on the well, I've been low on the Ravens all year because of because of their offensive numbers. But I've, I quite like this spot for them, to be honest. Um, I think when the Patriots have the ball, I don't really see how any of these receivers get open. I mean, yeah. the, like the three top corners for the Ravens, I think, can completely shut down the three top receivers, and then then you just have an extra man on defense to to go after Cam and. I think you have a significant advantage there. So I think they will be missing Calais Campbell, um, but you know he missed a lot of the game last week and it didn't matter too much. So I, I like that side of the ball. And then on when the Ravens have the ball, you've got the Patriots. They're, they're just, <laughs> I don't think they're well set up to stop this, this Ravens team at all. They're, they're 31st in rush defense DVOA. And they're, they're kind of known, they're, they're weak at linebacker. They, obviously, a lot of them opted out before the start of the season. Um, but that means you've got to try and stop Mark Andrews and, and Lamar Jackson with his running with sort of slow, heavy linebackers. Um and I, I don't really see them being able to do it, to be honest. So I did lay the seven. Yeah. This, so as I mentioned, I said I wouldn't blame you because I would be blaming myself. I have this in a teaser leg as well down to a point. Uh, they're going to be able to do whatever they want to on the ground against this uh, Patriots defense. As you mentioned, 31st DVOA against the run, also corroborated by the 31st ranking in rush defense, according to Pro Football Focus. As well, you look at what the Ravens do well is a this is a strength on weakness um, opportunity right here. And with the Patriots, I just don't know how they score enough points to beat the, this Ravens team. I mean, I, I there's just no there's no path I see to victory here with absolutely no playmakers at all on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Cam at this point isn't even really a playmaker at all either. I mean, like it's, it's so for me, uh, love the Ravens in this spot. I can understand why people would be selling on them after a couple of blah performances and the way that they've gone about uh, operating this offense here recently. But this is going to be a very big get right spot against a run defense that can't stop anybody. I, uh, I expect a huge, huge rushing game out of this uh, Ravens team. I think they'll have 200-plus yards in this game running. So, uh, love, love, love the Ravens in this one. Uh, as, and let's head to Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football is the Vikings and the Bears. The Vikings are three-point favorites on the road at the Chicago Bears. The Bears have been one of the more disappointing teams of this entire season. They have been incredibly, incredibly inept on offense. Every time you look at this team, you're going, man, if they only had a quarterback, what do you think that this team could actually do? They are 25th DVOA pass offense, 31st 
DBOA rush offense. They are 31st in third down conversions. They are 31st in yards per play. And if you're wondering what PFF thinks of their blocking, yeah, they think it's crap as well. 22nd run block unit, 31st pass block unit. It is just absolute garbage on the Bears on the offensive side of the ball. And that's why they are home dogs to the Minnesota Vikings team here. Brad, um, Vikings haven't been all that great either outside of Dalvin Cook, but boy, Dalvin Cook has been spectacular. Yeah, I, I'm i starting to think the Vikings might be good. Uh, <laughs> you know, Kirk, Kirk Cousins is ranking top 10. Dalvin Cook, he's, he, he might matter as a running back. Like, you know, they, they mm-hmm. chuck him these toss plays and he just sticks one foot in the ground, makes whoever's near him miss, and he's just upfield in a flash. And I don't know, he, he looks like the best running back in the league to me. Um, but the concern is, A, that the Vikings are still banged up in the secondary. I mean, that again, that side of the ball is, is tough to work out what's going to happen because the Vikings are down to like their third string corners, but the Bears are down to their third string offensive line. But the Vikings have no pass rush. The Bears have decent receivers. So I, I really don't know what's going to happen that side of the ball, to be honest. Um, as for the other side of the ball, when the Vikings have the ball, Again, their offensive line is probably overmatched as well. So 25th in adjusted sack rate is the Vikings, Vikings OL. Um, and obviously they'll be going up against Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks um, and that front. So we, we don't want Kirk Cousins getting pressured because he's not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he looks like he will be pressured. Um, so I don't really know what's going to happen, to be honest. there's It seems like there's just a lot of weakness on weakness. Um, and... Yeah, the numbers just seem fair to me. I I really don't know what to make of it. Yeah, this is not going to end up in my account either, Brett. There's a lot of people who I know who do play a lot of teaser legs who were saying that this was a good spot for the Bears. Go ahead and take them up to eight and a half at home. And it'd be hard for me to argue with that with a total sitting at 43. You know, getting eight and a half with the Bears at home in uh, in a game of, of 43 seems about right. I just don't have I don't have the huevos to put that bet in my account because if we looked if we're talking about this game next week and the and and the Vikings went out and won this game by 20 that would not surprise me in the least bit because they might only have to score 24 points to win the game by 20 so like it doesn't surprise me in the least bit um if that were to be the case and so it is very tough for me, also two of the slower paced teams in the league as well. Vikings 28th, Bears 26th when it comes to situation neutral pace. So not only that, it's like bad offense, slow pace. I, I just I won't know part of this. This is going to be a pass for me. I think this, this, this number is pretty fair, but if this can get to three, I kind of like Chicago as a home dog here. I mean, just the, the huge mismatch. There, there's the a three at, at MGM right now. So, yeah. Well, there, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, I would like that for sure. Just because of the, the, the mismatch in the trenches in favor of the Bears. One of the best pass rushes in the NFL against an offensive line that has not been able to protect Kirk Cousins. And the Vikings, like Brad said, have zero pass rush. So Nick Foles should be able to get the ball out to Allen Robinson uh, and, and against this awful awful Viking secondary. So I, I do see a path to Chicago winning this game for sure. And uh, at three, uh, I really like that. So uh, I haven't looked to see what this is at Circa for the contest yet, but this might end up being a contest play. For yeah, well. I just, uh, I, I can't figure this one out. So I'm going to take a pass and just uh, sit back and watch. It's Monday night. I'll be on air anyway, doing, doing my, uh, show on MSG plus. And so I'll, I'll just be, I'll just talk through it. I'll talk you guys through it whenever it's going on, but I'm not going to be, I don't think it's going to be 
in my account one way or the other. Um, quick review, uh, guys, as to kind of the plays that we are on that we like the best this week. I mean, for me, like I said, I have a very substantial teaser leg that is going to be kind of rolling into um, the Ravens and the Chargers. I also have the Chargers coming off of the teaser leg that I tied in with the Colts. So a lot going into that Chargers game, a lot going into that Ravens game, getting the Ravens down to one. I did like those under and over situations that we talked about. Listen, it is a lot of points. I understand that 54 and a half or 56 and a half in that Buffalo Arizona game is a ton of points. I think both of these offenses march the ball up and down the field. It's good. It's in Arizona. It's in a dome. Great weather, perfect conditions for, for both of these teams to go crazy. So definitely like that a ton as well. Brett top positions for you this week. I like the Eagles minus three. If you can get it at the giants also uh, under in green Bay and Jacksonville with a lean on the Jags plus 14. Uh, yeah. I, I just with the weather, I, I like uh, the correlation there. I'm with you guys on the bills Cardinals over and uh, the Broncos. I'm, I'm going to fall into that <laughs> traffic. I feel like this week I'm taking the plus four. I think there's some, there might be some plus fives out there. You're going to have to pay some juice, but even at plus four, I like the Broncos. And as a, I, I maybe this is just a too sharp for own good thing, but I do like the Patriots. If it gets to seven and a half, I just think it's a good number against an, uh, a lousy Ravens offense that actually has is averaging fewer yards per play than the than the Patriots this year. Hard to believe that that's a thing, but it is. So uh, I like the, I like the Patriots uh, at plus seven and a half. You yeah, seven it. and a half is available right now if you want to go grab it. Brad, t- uh, your your top plays of the week. Um, I, I also laid it with Eagles. I laid three and a half personally, so I think that's fine. I did lay four with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I've gone over in the Arizona Buffalo game, uh, over 56 and a half there, over 54 and a half in the Rams Seahawks game. Um, and then the Chargers money line, you probably get about plus 110. Oh, one thing I forgot. I have a, I also have Cleveland at, at, at minus three against Houston. Um, that already in the account, one of the bigger plays of the week. I bet so much that I forget the damn, I forget like when I have, like, I have like a shitload of money on this one game and I don't even remember that. Like that's yeah. So uh, Browns at three uh, at home, it's sitting at three and a half right now. I imagine that, I imagine you'll see three again. So if you want Cleveland, I imagine you will see three again in that one. So uh, you can probably hold out. It won't make it all the way to four. So you're not going to lose anything if you just wait and see if you can catch a three on Cleveland if you want to do that. Uh, Guys, as always, we are on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. Please go in, subscribe, rate, and review. At Brett Colson on Twitter, at Brad Allen. NFL on Twitter, at Matt Brown M2. Please go in, give us a follow, and then go over to our YouTube page and uh, give us a a subscription over there as well. It's just YouTube backslash play picks. And, uh, you know, everything we do, on all of our sites, all everything we do is absolutely free. You will not be paying a dime for any of that. For Brett, for Brad, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.